Good morning, fellowship. Great to be with you all this morning. You know, we've been doing Global Christmas for over 20 years, and not many of us in this room have been here that entire time, but you're here this year. And for us, as a family of faith, this is an opportunity for us to lean into something that's really special. Because these partnerships that we have locally and globally, they extend back years and years. We've, we've been in partnership with some of these folks for 10, 15, even 20 years with some of them. And so over a long period of time, you get to know people, you get to trust people. So these dollars that we give, they're not going just to humanitarian efforts, as important as that is. They're going to the gospel and they're going to help people with great needs, but doing it in the name of Jesus with the gospel message always as the root and always as the foundation for all the money that we give. So I can't encourage you enough. Lean into that phrase, less under our tree, more for the world. It's a nice thing to say, but what would it look like if you actually did that? We actually did that together with our families this year. It's a great discipleship opportunity in our homes as well. So very, very excited about Global Christmas. Again, fellowshipglobalchristmas.org is where you need to go to learn more. Also, the global magazine that you'll be receiving is an amazing resource. Take time to read the stories in that magazine. You will love it. I encourage you just to take full advantage of this um, with your families as well. Well, I want to introduce someone to you this morning who's going to be teaching us from God's Word. Uh, many of you may be aware, some of you anyway, that we've been looking for a new leader of local and global outreach since this past summer. Susan Hicks, who had been in that role for about four years prior, transitioned out of that role over the summer. And I want to just take a moment, by the way, to thank Susan for the outstanding job she did over those four years leading those ministries. Very well done. We're very, very grateful for Susan, and we've been praying about who would replace her. And this morning, I'm happy to share that God has brought to us an incredible fit for that role in the person of Jeff Guype. And we're going to be hearing from Jeff this morning. Let me just tell you a little bit about Jeff before he comes up here. Jeff's from California, moved here in 2020. Does this sound familiar so far? <laughs> has been at our church since uh, 2021, so he's two and a half years at Fellowship. Uh, Jeff, in his earlier life, was an entrepreneur and started a, a business, and did very, very well with his business, sold his business, and became a pastor. He has a rather remarkable story of conversion and the way his life was transformed in, in a really remarkable way. Uh, Jeff was ordained at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, which, by the way, if you've ever seen the movie Jesus Revolution, some of you in the room have seen that. That tells the story of the early beginnings of that church, that church with Chuck Smith and others. Jeff was on staff at that church and got to know Chuck Smith and was ordained at Calvary Chapel. And then in 2005, he planted a Calvary Chapel church in Newport Beach. California. Many of you are familiar with Newport Beach, very wealthy area, a lot of material resources. And so for 15 years, from 2005 to 2020, Jeff was lead pastor of that Calvary Chapel Church in uh, Newport Beach, uh, serving people many ways similar to us, people who, who are in more an affluent area, who have resources, and Jeff's heart became outreach and mission and planting churches. And Jeff and his church, along with others, helped plant churches in Brazil, Cambodia, Ireland, India, two inner city locations near LA. And then in 2020, two things changed in Jeff's life. One is he transitioned from a lead pastor role to working for Calvary Global Network, which is a network that is established to come alongside pastors and church planters all around the world. And the second thing is they moved from California to Tennessee. 
in 2020. Uh, Jeff's wife, Teresa, his son, Tyler, and daughter-in-law, Lindsay, and their two granddaughters, Penny and Willow. They all moved here and they made Fellowship Bible Church their home church. Uh, I got to know Jeff on Easter Sunday morning of 2021, two and a half years ago. Uh, Jeff and his family were visiting fellowship at that time, and I just happened to bump into him in the parking lot and said, hey, tell me about yourself. And I learned, this guy's been a pastor for 15 years. I thought I might want to get together with this guy and have coffee. So I've gotten to know Jeff over the last two and a half years, and as this position came available and God was working in Jeff's life, feeling like God was leading him to a new role, I can't believe what an incredible gift this is for us to be able to welcome Jeff Guype onto our staff as our Director of Local and Global Outreach. Would you help me welcome Jeff to the stage? I think the prophet said something about young men have visions and old men dream dreams. I've dreamt, even as a lead pastor, about becoming a missions pastor. <laughs> and so uh, when this opened up, it was just like a gift from God. And how it opened up is very odd. Um, of course, as Rob said, um, we got to be friends and Lloyd and I met. And we were talking often about things, never about coming on staff or anything. And so, in fact, Rob always said, we move really slow here. And I don't even know what he meant by that. Why he was telling me this. I wasn't looking for a job. Um, but it was interesting because I went to India with Susan and Jody uh, a year ago. And Susan and I became very close. Um, even though she's much younger and taller than me. Um, <laughs> we just got along so well. And so when she transitioned out, um, she recommended that I come on. And um, I wasn't looking for it. And it was like God just dropped this into my lap. And I'm so thankful for the staff here. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful church. I am so thankful to be part of this family. And so, yeah. Thank you for that nice welcome. So one of my favorite things, I like, I like family traditions, and one of my favorite traditions is that my aunt, every year, for as long as I could remember, would always greet us on Christmas morning saying this. She would call or she'd be there. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. I don't get any response. <laughs> okay, let's try it. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Okay, the Dawn Patrol was better than you guys. <laughs> anyway, I just love Christmas traditions, and I have so many fond memories of Christmas. And uh, Christmas many, many years ago, Christmas Eve, my brother and I, I was probably eight or nine years old at the time, my brother and I were in our bedroom, laying wide awake in our beds, wondering what is going to be under the Christmas tree. And it's probably about midnight and we're just talking and we're so excited, you know, and we're wide awake. And the next thing we hear is a car driving up our very long gravel driveway. So we jumped up onto our beds and began watching out the window. As we were watching out the window, we can see our dad's pickup truck coming around the corner. And in the back of the pickup truck, it was covered by a tarp but outside of the tarp was what looked like handlebars. So we, we jumped up and down on the bed and we screamed silently, bicycles! And then we stayed up all night long dreaming about what kind of bicycle it was going to be. And 
Um, so in our house, another tradition we didn't like so much was that we couldn't go to the tree until 6 a.m. So at 6 a.m., I think we were up all night long. We ran, we just sprinted into our parents' room and we poked and we prodded. And finally, about 20 minutes later, we walk out into the living room and there's the Christmas tree and there it is in all of its glory. A wheelbarrow. A wheelbarrow. But that's not the worst of it. Inside of the wheelbarrow, dressed up in this beautiful red bow, was a shovel, a rake, and a hoe. <laughs> Can I say, worst gift ever. <laughs> now, to be fair to my parents, I think I got a pony that same year. They did spoil us rotten, but I say that just to contrast this truth. The truth is that no material gift will satisfy the longing in our hearts for something that is spiritual. Satisfaction in life only comes from a spiritual gift. And this is what makes Jesus the greatest gift ever. You see, uh, as it says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this gift is not a one-time gift. It's a gift that it keeps giving each and every day for our entire lives and even into eternity. And so what we're going to be looking at this morning is in Luke chapter two. In Luke chapter two, I, I love that the band played what a strange way to save the world because as you read the Christmas story, it is very strange. Um, and I love that so much. And we're gonna pick up in verse eight because it's very strange that we see the angel of the Lord coming to these shepherds. But we're going to see these shepherds doing something that I hope we can take home with us. And that's that, that they were wash, or watching, they were wondering, which led them to worshiping, which made them make Jesus widely known. So before we read the word, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the word of God. We're so thankful that we can open up the word and read these stories, these strange stories, Lord, that are just miraculous. But we're also so thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And I pray now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would help these words jump off the pages into our hearts. Lord, that we would leave here with a strong desire to make Jesus widely known. And so we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8, but in the first seven verses, it's kind of a strange start. It's a familiar start in the sense that we're all familiar with it because the Holy Spirit used a Caesar and a census to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem in order that the Savior could be born in the place in which the prophet prophesied. <laughs> Strange thing. But what happened that night in that same reg region is even more strange. Look in verses 8 and 9. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them <clears throat> and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Does anybody else find it strange that the angel of the Lord would appear before these rank shepherds rather than before the religious leaders in Jerusalem? 
the religious leaders who have been waiting for Messiah have been reading the word, but instead God comes to these shepherds. You see, shepherding in those days had changed greatly from the, day, the days of David. It went from being an honorable position to one that everybody looked down on. The Roman government looked at shepherds as being robbers and thieves. The, the Jewish people looked at the shepherds of being unclean and they could not even come into the temple. So I find it very strange that the angel of the Lord would come to these shepherds. I think the words shame, same region give us a clue of why they came to these shepherds. It was in 1992, my wife and I were in Israel and uh, we're going from a, on a bus from Jerusalem to Bethlehem probably about five mile journey. We get halfway there and we're, the bus stops in the street and outside the, the window is a shepherd and a whole bunch of sheep. I mean, it, you couldn't have planned it any better. It's like, wow, here we are in the same region where these sheep and these shepherds were even in the days of Jesus. And then our tour guide, who, our tour guide everything he saw says that's 2000 years ago. That's 2,000 years ago. And he said, 2,000 years ago, the shepherds in this region were the shepherds that were watching over the flocks that would be using the sheep for the sacrifice at Passover. And it just kind of hit me like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if these shepherds knew the word of God if they knew where Jesus was to be born, if they knew that he was to be born of, of a virgin, if they knew all of these things. And that's what they were watching, not only with the sheep. But every good Jewish person of that day was waiting and watching for Messiah. they have been doing that for thousands of years. And I, I love um, when we were there in Jerusalem in 1992, there was huge banners everywhere you went. And it simply said, Messiah is coming. You see, the, Jesus, the Jewish people have been waiting for Messiah to come. They missed it when Jesus came as our Messiah. But you and me, we saw it. He opened up our eyes and gave us an understanding. Why? Because of the shepherds sharing this story. And we see this beautiful, beautiful picture of them coming to these shepherds. They would have been very familiar with the Passover lamb. They would have been very familiar with the stories of the coming Messiah. They would have been familiar with these things. And God used these strange things in that way. One of the other things I find so strange in a lovely way, only God would visit those in such a low occupation to raise them up, to share and to witness his salvation. This is our Lord, this is our savior and how he reveals things to us. As the shepherds stood there watching, their hearts were filled with fear and they began to wonder. Their watching turned into wonder when this angel appeared. In verses 10 and 12, he goes on to say, that goes on to say, and the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. These shepherds, it's a strange thing, but these shepherds were the first ones to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
They were the first ones to hear the good news. I can almost see them standing on their beds, jumping up and down, screaming silently, Messiah. They were so moved. Luke points out that this will be a sign for them. That word is very important. The prophet Isaiah said this 700 years before in Isaiah 7. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So this good news, did you see it? The good news brought great joy. I want to, I don't, I can't overemphasize this. It didn't bring joy. It brought great joy. The good news brought great joy. When we tell people about Jesus, they are hearing a story that will bring them great joy. The gospel should elicit this great joy in our hearts. In fact, I will be as bold to say that we as Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. We should be walking around the earth just joyful. Even in the midst of all these horrible things that are going on, we should be joyful. Why? Because Jesus was born. Because we have the hope of the gospel. This is what makes him the greatest gift ever. If you're here this morning and, and your heart is filled with fear, good news. Trust Jesus and he will replace that fear with great joy. But get this scene. While the shepherds on earth were silently screaming, the angels in heaven started praising. Look in verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. What was it that caused these multitude of angels in heaven to begin praising in heaven? These multitude of angels had a heavenly perspective. That day that Jesus stood up from the being at the right-hand side of the Father, he stood to his feet and he walked to the edge of heaven, removing his coat of righteousness and wrapping himself into humanity. He stepped onto this earth into a baby's body wrapped in swaddling cloths. The angels witnessed it and it caused them to praise. So all this praising is going on in heaven and this silent screaming going on in earth. The joy must have been jumping in the hearts of all these people. The apostle John put it this way, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I don't want us to miss this though, because this is important. The gospel doesn't only elicit great joy. It also brings great peace. Not just peace. Not like we used to say back in the 60s. It's different. That word, the word that's being used there is that familiar um, Hebrew word, shalom. 
which means more than peace. It means well-being. It means health. It means prosperity. It means security. It means soundness and completeness. It has more to do with character than it does with circumstances. It has more to do with character than it does circumstances. When I look around the world today, circumstances look pretty bleak. But they did in Jesus' day too. When Jesus was there, there was a ruler that was not a good guy. There was a government that was not a good government. Taxes were going higher. Unemployment was going higher. And morale was going lower day by day. Sound familiar? It's in those days that the gospel is to be preached to bring great joy and great peace to those around us. Isaiah declared in uh, chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus in John chapter 14 declares, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Paul takes those words in in Philippians and he says, it's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's that kind of peace when the problems of the world are so bad, but you sit back in the morning going, why do I have so much peace? It surpasses our understanding. Are the problems of this world robbing you of your peace? Put your trust in Jesus. He'll replace those problems with great peace peace. There was a time in my life I was going through some difficult decisions and I went to my pastor at that time and I told him I'm just being robbed of peace and this is what he said to me. Peace cannot be found in a place. Peace is found in a person and when that person rules and reigns in your heart you will experience a perfect peace. That person of course is the baby child. It's Jesus himself. As the shepherds stood in the field at night watching and wondering, something happened next that brought them to this place of worshiping. Look in Luke 2, verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. (laughs) I can almost see the shepherds in the field at night looking in the heavens as the angels went away, as they finished that beautiful singing and praising, that they immediately sprinted to Bethlehem. They ran into the room in which Jesus was there wrapped in swaddling cloths and there Joseph and Mary. There is no doubt in my mind that these people, these shepherds fell down and began worshiping. The the word in Hebrew, the uh, the word for worship in Hebrew has an idiom. It means to fall on your face and to rise up blowing kisses to God. 
So I imagine these shepherds running into this room, falling on their faces, rising up and blowing kisses to God. This is what's happening in here. The reason I bring this up is that we often, we often associate worship with music. And it is. Worship, we, we express our worship through music. But when you look at the Bible as a whole, with the exception of Psalms, Psalms talks a lot more about music. But when you look at the Bible as a whole, worship is not about music. Here's just a few examples. Isaiah trembled and worshiped in awe. Jehoshaphat worshiped in warfare. Job lied in the dust and worshiped in affliction. David danced in worship in a, when he was abandoned. Han, Hannah worshiped through barrenness. And these shepherds were worshiping even though they were social outcasts. You see, worship has much more to do with the heart. The heart of the person when it's fully given over, when it's fully given itself over to Jesus is when we truly begin to worship. So what is the result of these shepherds watching, wondering, and worshiping? Their immediate result was to make Jesus widely known. Look in verses 17 through 21. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he, called, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. <laughs> seeing Jesus, these shepherds seeing Jesus was not enough. It wasn't enough just to see Jesus. They had to go share the story. What was that a result of? It was a result of their worship. It was a result of what God had shown us through the word of God and God had shown them through the work of the Holy Spirit. God showed up and they began to worship and their worship like, we can't sit here and hold this into ourselves. We have to tell others. They immediately started making Jesus widely known. Now you're probably wondering, why did you use the word widely? I love how we have different translations because they give us nuance that maybe we wouldn't pick up otherwise. But in the New King James, the New King James, it was translated, they made widely known. So I had to ask, why did they put the word widely in there? It's not in the original text. But the translator was compelled to put the word widely in there so that we, the reader, the hearer, would understand that, hey, they weren't just going to tell their family and their friends. No, they were going further out. The Greek word widely means it has two meanings. One is including a great variety of people. And secondly, and spread among a large number over a large area. In other words, when Jesus came, their immediate response of the shepherd was to tell everyone they came in contact with. Now, what I love about this story is that this happened at Jesus' birth. 
33 years later, after Jesus was crucified, he appeared to the disciples and he gave the great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples. That word go um, really means as you are going. As you are going, don't wait for the world to come to you. You go to the world and make disciples. And what happened when Jesus ascended to the Father? What happened after Jesus ascended to the Father is the Holy Spirit came and was overflowing in the hearts of those who trusted in Jesus. And we see this picture in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we see this. We see Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preach the gospel of great, uh, great joy and, and great peace. And 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem came to believe. They were baptized. They immediately started reading the apostles' doctrine. They immediately started time in fellowship and in prayer and in breaking of bread. They immediately started going out from their houses and sharing what was going on in the streets about Jesus. And it says at the end of, I think in verse 47, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we learn that when uh, Jesus was telling the Holy Spirit was going to come to them, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming in that they might be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the other parts of the earth. I have to tell you, this, this is one of the things about Fellowship Bible Church that is outstanding. Now, as you can tell by looking at me, I wasn't born yesterday. I've been around a bit and I feel kind of like God has just dropped me into this place where things are already happening. Like, I've seen the Spirit of God blowing in the sails. I think Rob had shared some time ago. And I'm like, yes, I'm watching, I'm wondering, I'm worshiping, and I'm seeing how we make Jesus widely known. And it's a beautiful thing to see how God is doing that. One of the things I saw in verse 18 of Luke, it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. That word wondered is also translated in the NIV as amazed and in the New King James as marveled. What was it about these shepherds and their sharing of this story that made these people wonder? What made them amazed? What made them marvel? Two things. One was that there were shepherds sharing the story. That's strange. They would have expected the religious leaders to do that, but no, God chose the shepherds because that's who our God is. But secondly, it was because of the great joy and the great peace in which they were sharing the gospel in the midst of these huge problems, equal or worse than us today. They were sharing the gospel with that. So this was the result of the gospel presentation given to the shepherds. We saw that the, the response of Mary was a little bit different. Let's just say that Mary just sat back for nine months wondering, how did this happen? Is there anything impossible with God? For she knew that there is nothing impossible for God. I love our motto, less under the tree, more for the world. I have this idea, and it, this is for you parents. If you today, or if you've been thinking about getting your kid a wheelbarrow, 
don't do it because they could be making that story widely known 55 years later, just as I've been doing today. <laughs> no, bring your kids in, pick up the global Christmas magazine and, and open it up and dream together. How can we as a body not only uh, make disciples in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our play places, but also the opportunities to do it around the world? I have to, it's so exciting to see what God is doing here. We came in when the generous God messages were being taught, watching, wondering, worshiping, making Jesus widely known. We came in with the, or we've been here watching the follow series. Oh my goodness. And now we hear our global Christmas. God is doing something amazing. So I would like to pray for us all. Can we do that? Father, we're so thankful for the word of God and for the work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would not open up just my eyes, but every person that's hearing these words right now to what you would have them to do in order to help make Jesus widely known in this world that so desperately needs him. We need you, Lord. And we need your guidance. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. I want to read a verse. And then I'm going to have you turn and, and greet one another after reading this verse. This is out of the book of Hebrews. He says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So right now, would you just turn one another and stir up a little love and good works and meet one another and the band will come and serve. <laughs>